Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're about to listen to the re-released Bananas for Bonanza episode one, which was recorded as a podcast pilot in 2018. This is Andy Daly. Hello. Here on this free feed, I'll be re-releasing all the back episodes of Bananas for Bonanza one every other week. If you want to hear new episodes ad-free, please subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash andydaily. The entire Bananas for Bonanza archive is also waiting for you there, and you can access lots and lots of bonus content. So do that. Okay, thank you. Enjoy. and gentlemen, it's the Andy Daly Podcast Pilot Project. Here are your hosts, Matt Gorley and Andy Daly. Well, 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 look what podcast is back. It's the You An- say it. I'll say it. Please. It's the Andy Daly Pilot Podcast Project. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Now, you've been having me say it. What? And all kinds of promotional stuff, and I always yeah. get it right, and this time I didn't get it right. Right. I believe it is podcast before pilot. Except after host. Daily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> podcast oh, before cares? pilot, except after daily. No, that's the opposite. God damn it. Should we start again? Nah. <laughs> What's the point? It's good to be back. It's, it's the great point. to be back. Yeah. Yes, this podcast that you're listening to uh, is uh, back for its second season. It's been four Years. It, do, it does and doesn't seem like four years ago. Right. Yes. I would say mostly for me, doesn't. I don't know where the time went. I can't account for it. Yeah. None of it. The world's changed. Boo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about that. Let's talk about, enough about the dis- despicable people in our world. Let's talk about the despicable people in the podcast yes, world. Yes, precisely right. Yes, indeed. So uh, just for people that don't know what this podcast is, this is a podcast on which and in which we curate podcast pilots that have been submitted to the Earwolf 
podcasting enterprise. That's right. They yeah. arrive in giant mail sacks on cassette. Yep. And we usually go on a, a nice vacation and mm-hmm. we, we listen to them. Sometimes I go by myself if I remember the legend. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, we listen to each and every one of these. Absolutely. From beginning to end. Anytime somebody submits a podcast pilot for consideration uh, to become a regular podcast, we will listen to that pilot Fully and completely. And then we choose eight of them. Last season it was eight. This season it's eight again to to air and to just sort of give a public airing. And there's no guarantee that this means that it's going to be a regular pilot. As a matter of fact, I believe, correct me if I'm mistaken, that last season none of those pilots became regular podcasts. Is that right? Yeah. And as someone who works at Earwolf, uh-huh. I, I want to take the blame squarely off my shoulders because okay. I took this up to the highest the powers that be, as high as I could go, mm. I, I believe I did one of those, you know, fist pound on their desks, you oh, know, yeah. I threatened to walk oh. and nothing happened. You gave, you gave eight impassioned speeches, movie climax speeches. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them worked. So I just want the listeners to know that yeah. I'm fighting for these, you're fighting yeah, for these. Absolutely. And so much so that we're here again to make another stab at this. And what we think, thank God, I think the quality of these podcasts has been leveled up. So we have a really good chance. I agree. And in many cases, these are podcasters who we heard from last season Mm -hmm. who, you know, took some notes and are trying their best to take a second whack at it. Yeah. Uh, And we lead off season two the very same way that we let off season one Mm. with a fellow by the name of Dalton Wilcox, Mm -hmm. who is a cowboy poet and an author, and has a few other things going on. <laughs> and Now, after this one aired, I did hear from some people who sort of said, you know, oh, he's a, a terrible person. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, just in a long list of ways. And, and some folks even said, I think he uh, confessed to multiple murders in that podcast. But we weren't listening for that. No, no, we were listening for artistic content, entertainment value. Yes, right. Entertainment. What is it? Edutainment. Edutainment. Yeah. And the, the idea of a podcast from the perspective of a cowboy poet seemed very novel. and what. But anyway, yeah, maybe those reasons, those horrible person reasons and murder reasons, maybe that went into the decision to not pick it up to a regular podcast. I don't know. Well, it also the same rules apply to like a priest and confessional. If you confess a murder, we don't have to do anything about it. Absolutely and I may not. have those rules wrong, but the point stands. <laughs> yeah. And we are priests, we should say. Oh, that. Yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> We are both priests. And I'd say uh, seven of eight of these podcasts were pitched to us in a confessional. Oh, yeah. As we were taking confession. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the tapes were slipped to us right around the bend there of the confessional. So Dalton's back. Dalton is back. And so we touched on this a little in the teaser episode that when when his podcast got rejected, we we had to call him. And he did not take it well at all. That was a dark day. Yeah. And, uh, and just to get off the phone, I mean, there were, there were threats and, you know, it was, it was bad, but just to get off the phone, I said, remember I said, feel free to submit another one. Yeah. I I mean, you know. You thought it was a consolation. I kind of meant it as a bit of a brush off. You know what I mean? (laughs) And within what, two days? Yeah. Yeah. He, he coughed up a... Another one, and so, and it's very different in some ways, but similar in others <laughs> to his previous effort. Uh, this is a podcast called Bananas for Bonanza with Dalton Wilcox. And uh, this is a podcast where, as he'll, you know, he'll explain it, but I, I, his plan is to devote 
an episode of his podcast to each episode of the television show Bonanza. What are some other shows that do that? This is oh, a podcast well, model. Yeah, it really is. It's yeah. its own genre of podcast. Yeah. It's called the Rewatch podcast ah. franchise mm-hmm. you take a franchise like west wing weekly for instance right a podcast of mine james bonding where there we take a, a james bond film and then we do an episode for each film he's yeah. going to do this for 400 and some episodes of bonanza <laughs> presumably <laughs> that's the plan wow and they actually are discussing the the actual first episode of bonanza which is called a rose for lotta episode one season one and you can find that on youtube you could watch it if you want before you listen to this or after yes that's right it's uh, extremely entertaining, uh, I think, and it is, once again, the Western perspective. But to be perfectly clear, uh, we just didn't want the, the, the threats and, and the anger that would come from not even airing the pilot. In a way, it's a bit of blackmail. It's For sure. indirectly blackmailed into this, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean this isn't a great podcast. It could very well become a regular podcast. I think it will. There's music in this podcast. Oh, yeah. The journeymen uh, are back. The journeymen are back. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Uh, I think it's everything you could ever want in a podcast and plenty of things you might not. But anyway, uh, shall we listen to it? Let's do it. All right. Without any further ado, I think that's how you pronounce that. It is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Bananas. For Bonanza with Dalton Wilcox. Hello, friend. Come on in. The gate is open wide. Welcome to Bananas for Bonanza with Dalton Wilcox. That's me. Folks, I'm a cowboy poet. I'm a real live working cowboy, too. And I am known to one and all as the Poet Laureate of the West. I am also the worst-selling author of the book, You Must Buy Your Wife at Least as Much Jewelry as You Buy Your Horse and Other Poems and Observations Humorous and Otherwise from a Life on the Range. This right here is my brand new podcast, Bananas for Bonanza. This is finally that podcast you've been looking for. All about the very best Western TV show ever to flicker across the idiot box, Bonanza. Now, Bonanza was on from 1959 to 1973, and they made 431 episodes of the show, starring Lauren Green, Michael Landon, a couple other guys. This show brought the Western lifestyle, the ranchin lifestyle, and the man lifestyle into American living rooms. And prior to that, nobody in America had any idea what it was like to be a rancher or to be a man. And so it's a very important show. And besides that, it's damn fun and exciting. And if you hadn't seen it, then and, uh, you're fucking up and you got to watch it and you're going to love it. Now, the whole idea behind this podcast is we're going to do one episode of this podcast for each episode of Bonanza that they made. We're going to dig in deep each episode, do an episode one at a time of Bonanza, and that's 431. Now, you might be saying, Dalton, that's not enough episodes of this podcast. I want more. Well, now, you see, my plan is that this podcast that you're listening to is going to become so fucking popular that it's going to renew interest in the television show Bonanza, and they're going to start making it again like they keep doing with TV shows these days, and then we'll have more episodes of the podcast because we'll have more episodes of the TV show, and one hand washes the snake's tail, just like that. That's the plan. And by the way, we're going to talk a little bit about efforts that have been made in the past to reboot Bonanza. It has been tried and it's very to interesting effect. We're going to talk about, we're going to really get into Bonanza. Now, folks, this isn't the first time that I have tried to do a podcast. I have made a pilot one other time for a podcast. And for God knows what goddamn reason, the city slickers who was in charge of podcasts 
didn't uh, want me to make more of them. So this time I have gone and I've made a completely different podcast in every single detail. I tore it down to the struts and rebuilt it. And this one, well, you will see, has nothing in common with that previous effort. It's a totally different show. All right. But now, coming up on this show, you, listen, you're gonna, I, I, when I tell you what's going to happen on this show, you're going to say, how is that even possible? It, fucking holy shit. We're going to have a poetry workshop. Okay, a cowboy poetry workshop. And not only that, we are going to have brand new original music from the goddamn Journeymen. Can you believe it? The Journeymen are here. Holy crap. And I did it again. I put the songs at the end of the show, and now I'm angry because I want to hear them now. Well, but that's coming up, and we're going to talk to the Journeymen here, uh, and we're going to talk about Bonanza. The very first episode of Bonanza, A Rose for Lotta, was named the first episode of Bonanza. But now, before we get to it, uh, I do want to apologize if I seem a bit rattled uh, today at the beginning of this episode. I just want to get a little something out of the way. Uh, as you may know about me, in addition to being our nation's foremost cowboy poet, I am also, very unfortunately, plagued by vampires. That's just a condition of my life. And also mummies and Frankensteins. I have had a number of problems with Frankensteins, creatures from the Black Lagoon. That's just how it is. I have a... Uh, I've had a great many interactions with monsters, and because of that, I am, as you might expect, hypervigilant about monsters, which is how it came to be that last night I spotted an invisible man. <laughs> now, here's how it happened, and I just want to tell you this because it's definitely affecting my point of view on everything today, what I went through last night. I was down at my local watering hole, also known as my saloon, I was having myself a few whiskeys, and as I was walking home, I passed by a darkened alleyway. And I heard, clear as day, footsteps on the pavement. Now, I looked all around me, and I couldn't see anybody. You hear footsteps, and you don't see anybody? Now, a lot of people in that situation might say, oh, well, weird things happen sometimes. But I'm Dalton Wilcox. You understand me? I've seen enough to know that that was a goddamn invisible man. So I pulled out my six guns, and I shouted, who's there? And that's when I heard a voice down the dark alleyway say, Whoa, what's up? Well, I approached slowly. Too slowly, I guess. Because by the time my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I saw before me a man, just like any other man, staring right back at me. Yep, it seems I had given this invisible man just enough time to put on his disguise. <laughs> his visible man disguise. And it was fucking perfect. I'm talking about latex rubber, highly movable face mask with ultra-realistic hair. Had to be human hair. And glass eyeballs that moved just like human eyes. His false hands were military-grade prosthetics. I knew I was dealing with a real motherfucker. So I walked right up to him and I said, Are you an invisible man? And he basically confirmed it. He says, he says What are you talking about? Put those guns away. Come on. Chapter and verse. That's what monsters always say anytime you ask them point blank if they're a monster. Something just like that. Well, that's all I needed to hear. Let's just say you won't not be seeing him anymore. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that unpleasantness out of the way, let's get going with the very first episode of Bananas for Bonanza with me, Dalton Wilcox. Let me introduce our panel that's going to be talking about the very first episode of Bonanza. Well, I have here, ladies and gentlemen, dear old friend, often known as the grandfather of cowboy poetry, Bartleby Mulcahy. Hello, Bartleby. Uh, hi, how are you? I'm great. So nice to be 
here. It's great to see you. You know what? Somebody pointed out to me, and I don't believe that it's true. It's not. <laughs> that it's been three years since we tried to make a podcast pilot before. Oh, my goodness. It seems like just two years ago. <laughs> See, right. So I don't, two I don't, and a half. I simply I choose not to believe that it's been that long. But however long it's been, have you been in the interim? I have been quite fine at times and other times not so much. That's a very honest answer. Sometimes you've had your highs and lows. Life goes up and down. Sure it does. Well, give us give us a sample of one of the high points of your life in the since we talked to you last. Well, I went to San Antonio. San Antonio. And there was a rest- You don't have to say the EO, by the way. Oh, well. As a cowboy, you don't have to say it. Just go ahead and call it San Antonio. I went to San Antonio. But as I'm saying, it's optional. You can say it, I suppose, but you don't have to. I don't like City to. slickers need to pronounce the whole name of the, of the city, but a cowboy? Right. Shorten that sucker Never right mind my San Antonio story. No, wait a minute. I want to hear it. I went to San Antonio. There you go. And I had a sandwich there. They called it a Reuben. It was... A Reuben sandwich. Fantastic. I'd never had anything like it. Was that corned beef? I don't know what was in it. but Thousand it, Island dressing in there? I believe you. Put some sauerkraut on that? Okay. Heat that sandwich up? Mm, it was very good. You can get that just about any place. But all right. Any excuse to go to San Antonio is I believe uh, it worth was it. a local dish. Yeah. They redone that riverfront down there. Mm-hmm. And stay away from it. It's nothing but city slickers. <laughs> Turned it into garbage. But I did go see the Alamo. You did go see the Alamo. What'd you think of that? It remembers. Remember. <laughs> remember, that's right. I, I set aside about 20 minutes every day to remember the Alamo. I do <laughs> typically do it right after lunch, depending on what I'm up to. But You uh, know that if you go to the Alamo. Yes. You can get a Reuben sandwich over there that's it, just... At the Alamo? Not at the Alamo, but yeah, I didn't it's think so. close by. Uh-huh. Yep. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, good, that's good travel advice. When visiting the Alamo, try to get yourself a Reuben sandwich because I guess they make them special in San Antonio. <laughs> I agree with that. Yep. There is, by the way, contrary to popular myth, a basement at the Alamo. You just have to, got to know who to talk to. We've also have, we're going to be talking to the journeyman here. Uh, Mutt Taylor is here. Mutt Taylor, how's he going? Hell, it's good to be back, I'll tell you that Hot much. damn. Man, and I'm here to celebrate what I think is maybe the finest American institution ever made, and that's the television series Bonanza. Oh, man, are you bananas for it? I'm bananas for Bonanza so much so that I bought myself a little stake of land on the Ponderosa, what was once Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Up there near Lake Tahoe, Nevada? That's right, that's right. It took most of my royalties to do so, because even though the land was for shit and all dwellings were... Tumbling down, yeah. I said, I am not about to play, pay market price for this. What do you want? Now quadruple it and then add some more because that's what it's worth. Because it's part of the fictional Ponderosa. I don't need to tell you that. Goddamn, I like your style. <laughs> well, speaking of my style, I'm yep. wearing all Versace today here. I noticed that you're dressed awfully spangly. What's the story there? Why are you, why are you dressed head to toe and what'd you call it? Versace. Uh huh. 
there any, any particular reason for Well, that? when you have enough success like yep, I have, yep. people come to you to dress you, whether it's Botany 500 or 1 through 4. I don't give a God's damn. But I do tell you this. Versace himself, well, I don't know if it was the brother or the sister. You never can tell with those two. This happened to me sometime in the 90s right before he was shot. Check that out right now on FX, The Assassination of Giovanni Versace. Great television show. I make a cameo. But wow. he set me up for some uh, clothing and thought, you know, why aren't you a star-spangled sort of cowboy? Uh-huh, uh, not uh-huh. an urban cowboy. I don't go Hell that no, way. Hell no, goddammit. I don't go that way. I mean, nope. these things can still get dusty, but it doesn't mean that they can't shine up either. Well, all right, fine. If you're wearing it, then it's good. Let's say that. But as to the concept of urban cowboys, I say hell no. Because it's not even a concept. It's not even a concept. That's right. The, the urban part beats the cowboy part, unfortunately. That's like a rural city slicker. Yep. Yeah, you Right. Know? You can't have one. Can't do it. Nope. And shut McGuffin is here. Shut. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I feel real good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ponderosa, you remember the Ponderosa Steakhouse? I do remember the Ponderosa I woke up in a salad bar once. <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you go about that? I don't remember. But uh, there was about, we had, a buddy of mine, uh, an old guitarist of mine, uh, Fox yeah. Ballslap, and I had <laughs> stolen. Oh, Fox Ballslap? Yeah. Is we, he still around? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, no. I mean, his headstone is. Uh, and we had stolen a whiskey truck. And uh, and next thing I knew, it was three days later, and I woke up in a Ponderosa salad bar. Goddamn. Goddamn. Hot dog. Yeah. I looked like Lauren Greenfields. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk a little bit about how he looks and feels. Well, that's a good story. Cubby Lauderborn is here. Hell yeah. How you doing, Cubby? I'm great. Yep. What you been up to these past three years? I bought a car dealership. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. What? I'm selling Mazdas. It's just Mazdas? Yeah. Far as the eye can see. An acre of them. All right. Well, give us the, go, go real quick. Give us the pitch on a Mazda. <laughs> <laughs> you can expect comfort and fuel economy. Shit. <laughs> All right. That's I'll take it. one. Do you do your own TV commercials like some folks do? Of course I do. Of course you do. And that's what you say, huh? Cubby Lauder Born Mazda. Get in one. Yeah. But you got to clear up. You're telling people to get in the Mazda, not the Lauder Born. All right. That's just an advice. Who, uh, and the rest of the journeyman is here. We got Jimmy Blades, Tits Hanrahan, and Thumper Collins. How y'all doing over there? Howdy. Hey, you. Yeah. Hi, Mr. Dalton. How's it going there, Jimmy? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. I, yeah, what have you been up to? Well, I, I, thanks for asking that. I've been yeah. doing working on a solo album. You're kidding me. <laughs> I what? hope the other members don't. They're not upset by this. This is breaking news. I should have told y'all earlier. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, uh, well... The style is different than what we normally do. You know, I'm a big fan of a rock. I, I've never been a big fan of rock music. Of course not. No, but I love God roll. <laughs> oh, roll music. Roll music is oh, that's always interesting. I never to heard of that. That you could separate out the roll from the rock. Oh, absolutely. How did, what, okay. Well, you know, you're, I see your your questioning face. I, Let me see if I can explain. You know how when you're listening to a song. Yeah. Oh, you're with me? I'm with you so, so far. So you're listening to it, and you say to yourself, wow, this is really rocking. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's the other part. Oh, it's the rolling part. The rolling part. It's just, is that what's in between the rock? Whenever it's not rocking. Whenever it's not rocking. Then you rolling. got left over your roll. Well, I'd sure be curious to hear it, uh, even though I'd completely disapprove of it, because as you know, Western music is the official music of the West, and therefore it is really the only music that I have any interest in. So uh, I hope you. I hope that uh, after this brief dalliance with uh, uh, roll music, you'll come back to Western music. Will well, you do that, please? You've opened my eyes here today, and thank you. All right. <laughs> I like I like roll. Okay. 
You can get a Reuben on a roll. Can you? Can you? Yeah. Because I think it's best on rye bread. Well, so be it. All right. Tits Hanrahan, what's the story? Well, I've been um, occupying my time selling old Nintendos and PlayStations 2s. <laughs> PlayStation? At a profit of, I, I think, $2 each. You see, you know how record players come back? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, so I think, I reckon those are going to come back too. What's that? PlayStations 2s? PlayStation 2s and old Nintendos and 64s. Oh, you sell 64s? Where, where do you sell them on uh, uh, eBay? Hey, you sell them on that eBay. Yeah, it, it's yeah. difficult right now. It's not making much money, but. Yeah. Well, listen, even a successful eBay business is tragically sad. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Why were you I, I'm, I'm going to change some minds out there when you see me. I, I guess so. Well, I think that broke all our hearts. Uh, <laughs> And what's going on, Collins? Tell me again your first name, because you're 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 a new fellow in the band, aren't you? Yes, sir. Well, well, how do you how, Thumper? Thumper Collins. Correct. What do you play over there? Uh, on the here over on the cocktail kit. I see. Look at that little drum set over there. You got yourself a cowbell. Hell, you got everything you need. You see these assholes walking around with nine thousand piece drum sets. You don't need all that shit. Fuck that shit. Look at you making do with what little fits in that corner. Goddamn right. Yep. Yep. How'd you come by joining the journeymen? Boy, oh boy. How did we meet? I can't remember. We found him in a bassinet about well, 50 years ago. <laughs> That's a long time and ago. we raised him as a drummer. Did you really? Hell yeah. You specifically raised him. So you, oh, that's wonderful. You've been playing drums since infancy. Yes, sir. He's never left the basement. Wow. First time out, boy. Of the Alamo. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, congratulations. It's beautiful out here, isn't it? What a sad life. All right. Well, we're glad to have you here. Well, with that, we've gone uh, all the way around the horn. I do want to mention that uh, Sally Jespa, our dear friend Sally Jespa, was going to— I like Sally. She's great. She's going to be here, but she can't. She has an audition for a dance troupe, and we know that that is a lifelong passion of hers, dancing. So we wish her all the best of luck while making clear that she will not be forgiven for missing— Oh, excuse me? Oh, is he out there now? (laughs) Oh, no. oh, no. oh, son of a bitch. Is it? Is, well, this is fortuitous timing. Yeah. This is exciting. Okay. All right. Well, let, fuck it. Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, this is interesting. How do I even go about explaining this? Okay. So, as you know, I have written a book. I have written a book called You Must Buy Your Wife, at least as much jewelry as you buy your horse, and other poems and observations, humorous and otherwise, from a life on the range. And that book has been published by an incompetent publisher of books, a fellow by the name of Russell Shine. He did a terrible job. Uh, I think you literally cannot find the book anyplace, and uh, that's on him. He tried to put it on me, trying to tell me I wrote a terrible book, but we all know that's not true. <laughs> now, <laughs> what I have done in the time since you've last heard from me is I wrote a new book, Bartleby. Yes. A brand new, totally new book, and this that one's called... sounds very exciting. This one is called, You Still Have to Buy Your Wife <laughs> At Least As Much Jewelry As You Buy Your Horse, and Even More Poems and Additional Observations, Humorous and Otherwise, From a Life Still Being Lived on the Range, by Dalton Wilcox, who also wrote the last book, by Dalton Wilcox. <laughs> <laughs> now... It's new. It's brand new. But people know what they're getting themselves into. That's called branding. Now, I I sent a manuscript of this book over to Russell Scheid. And you know, I haven't heard anything from him. I keep calling him, and I haven't heard a word from him. So I came up with a little thing, because it worked last time, where I called his office, 
and I pretend to be somebody that was. Now, you might recall that his wife had gone missing some years ago. I have no idea the status of that. But what I did was I called him up, and I disguised my voice like a goddamn CIA agent. I put my hand on my nose just like that, and I said, tell Russell Shine, this is the county coroner's office, we've got a body for him to identify. And I left him the address, and it appears he's come down. Will you show him in? Show him in. Goddamn. What? This isn't a... Are you kidding me? Holy shit! Hello, Russell. It's not a county coroner's office. Are you... Dalton? Yeah. This... Russell. Do you have... Yeah. You've gone too far this time. <laughs> I am... I've never... I've never felt anything like this before. This is beyond yeah. fury. I don't I don't even know. This is like at, a new emotion. Look at you. A new emotion beyond fury? Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of that is, I'll bet you, the feeling of respect for somebody that pulled one over on you beautifully in a way that you fully didn't expect. So It's got to be fury laced with respect. So not only do you not have my wife's body for me to identify. Are you disappointed? Uh, it's a mixed bag. Uh-huh. But I'm guessing you also have no idea as to her whereabouts. Oh, God, no. No, I haven't spent a moment thinking about her in, in three years. Is she, uh, she, so she hadn't turned up, Russell? No, she hasn't she turned hasn't up. She hasn't turned up. Because I, I she hasn't that call thinking, up. I don't know, he might just be confused as to what body this is. He might be sitting there on the couch next to his wife right now, having returned to him, and the two of them are happy, and he can't imagine whose body this is, or he's going to think we found his wife's body. Either way, he'll come down here. But look at that. She well, I, I can yep. guarantee you, if my wife had come back to me, yep, yep. and she had been found again, and we were yep. sitting on the couch together, yep. and then uh, somebody called me and said, we have your wife's body here. Yeah. I wouldn't be here right now. I don't know why you think that would work. Oh. Although, you got me down here, and, here and you are. every step of the way, I was thinking, this yep. seems off somehow. You did. You Something was talking to you in the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the idea that, you know, yep. I wanted some closure on my wife. Yeah. I wanted to make sure it wasn't her. That's um, what makes I guess it, yeah. I was blinded to, and, and it seems like you skillfully manipulated me. You see that? I mean, that's what's beautiful about it. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, that's what works about it. It Have works you, so beautifully. You get somebody in their emotional hotspot, and you can get them to do just about anything. Have and you reported a missing to the Rangers? That's a good question, Bob. To the Rangers? <laughs> the Texas Rangers. No, I, I reported a missing to the police who laughed at me. Oh yeah, I they're useless. That. But that no, I didn't go. I, I didn't report them to the Texas Rangers. Well, give it a shot. Have you looked for her on the computer? <laughs> yeah. Have you tried that? Have I looked for her on the computer? Have you typed her name into a computer? Have you looked for her that way? Um, she might be in there. Okay. Okay. Boys, that was maybe the very first thing that I did. That was did. the beginning of the search, yes. She wasn't in there? No, she wasn't in the computer. Okay. Okay. Did you try? I, I also checked the Tron world. She wasn't there. Yeah, I don't know what that is. No. All right, but these are reasonable questions. Did you ask the Rangers? Did you check the computer? These are, I'm, I think we're asking great questions. And so in the three years since... Uh, you've been down here talking uh -huh. to me. You have had not seen hide nor hair of your wife. No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, and have you, uh, so are you moving on? What's the story? No, I'm not. Oh. 
Yeah. I'm not moving. I'm not moving on. You're not moving on. The search continues. Oh, it does. Yes. Okay. What, I, what every once done? in a while, mm-hmm. I, I, well, I follow leads every once oh, in a while. Oh, you do. So sometimes you'll get a lead. Someone will say, uh-huh. I thought I saw your wife. Okay. Um, you know, in, in in a store, and she was with yep. a man, and they seemed very happy. And I think, well, that can't be my wife. She's She was abducted. So, uh-huh. you know. So she'd be miserable. She'd be trying to scratch well, scratching course, and clawing to get course. back to Russell. Unless unless it's some situation where they say act natural or you're uh, yeah. dead. Okay. You know? See, it's good that you're here on this goddamn podcast. Now, you can put out the word about your wife, and you can describe her. Why don't you go ahead and get Jen, describe her to the listeners, and people can keep an eye out for her. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, attention, dead space. <laughs> what do you mean? Ten- this this uh, this, po- this podcast is going to get picked up to be a regular podcast sure. for for one hundred percent. Attention, the other computer files. <laughs> My wife Again, is she missing. She might be in there. Yeah, I thought you already looked on the computer. So he says. How are you still alive, Bartleby? Yeah, that's a good question, Bartleby. You care to address that? How are you still alive? I eat. And drink yep. and breathe. I have no other specific answer than that. Let's not forget brain functioning. True enough. Yep. <laughs> and uh, how you been, Dalton? Murdering anyone lately? I don't believe I've ever murdered anyone. I know you don't believe that. I've taken care of some monsters, if that's sure. what you're asking. Sure. Taken what's, care of a lot of monsters. What's the most recent monster? Well, I recently took down a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Well, I, no, I, I killed an invisible man last night. That's the most recent one. But before that, it was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I, I found him in his Mr. Hyde state. Mm-hmm. But he was clearly also a Dr. Jekyll. And what were the telltale signs that he was a Mr. Hyde who formerly had been a Dr. Jekyll? Well, I was trying to park my car, and I ended up banging into the car behind me. That happens. Next thing I know, of course it does. Bumper came off and whatnot. Next thing I know, out flies this goddamn Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, losing his mind at me hold for on, knocking his bumper off. Was it two guys or one guy? You don't know what a Dr. Jekyll I, and Mr. Hyde is? I, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is both. These two guys and one guy. It's collectively referred to as a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yes, he's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So he was appearing in his that. Mr. Hyde persona. Yeah, but he seemed to be just about ready to transition. And wait, he was, he was in the car? <laughs> He no, it, yeah. He was in the car behind me that okay. lost the bumper. So, Mister Hyde, this guy drinks a potion, and then he's like, "I'm going to go for a drive." <laughs> he, I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm about to transform into a, a hideous beast man. Yeah. Um, time to get in the, behind the wheel and uh, yeah. just to put the top down and uh, let the let the wind blow through my hair. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Look, I don't look. Is that how it works with the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? You don't turn into the Dr. Jekyll unless you actively drink the poison? I don't think that's true. I think he took it no, at some earlier starts, time. he starts as Dr. Jekyll, what? and then he drinks the potion and becomes Mr. Hyde. Oh, that's what I there's mean, There's not a, Miss, a, Miss, a Dr. Jekyll potion. That's what I mean, then. I caught him in his Dr. Jekyll stage. And so he, he was just a regular guy. Well, he was going to transition into Mr. Hyde. What were, the, what were the signs? He was getting real mad okay. about his bumper. Now, I've seen you get angry. Yeah. Should I worry that you're a Mr. Hyde? Well, you might as well be vigilant about it, but I'll tell you right now, I'm not a goddamn monster. Sounds like what a monster would I, say. <laughs> Isn't that one of your rules? <laughs> no, they don't say it quite like that. Oh, how do they say? They say, oh, put that gun down. What are you talking about? Stuff like that. I haven't said anything like that. I'm just making it goddamn clear. I'm not a goddamn monster. And any suggestion that I am one makes me think you're one. Well, but anyway, yeah. 
Sorry, I was confused about which. It's the Dr. Jekyll is a nice guy and Mr. Hyde is the monster. I see a doctor once a year. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I'm still and alive. you're still alive, yep. That's I've actually smart. Trying to think of more reasons. Yeah. <laughs> what does that doctor say? Keep going. Keep going. That's good. All right. That's good. Tom, yeah. what, what is this? Why did you make me come down here under the worst possible circumstances? Oh, well, I came down here to find out if you'd had an opportunity to read my manuscript for my, my new book, which is called You Still Have to Buy Your Wife at Least as Much Jewelry as You Buy Your Horse and Even More Poems and Additional Observations, Humorous and Otherwise, from a Life Still Being Lived on the Range by Dalton Wilcox, who also wrote the last book. Have you had a chance to read that? Do you know, I, I hate myself for this, but I read a lot of it. You did! Hot! Well, uh, just morbid curiosity. Thank you very much. It's morbid curiosity that has led to some of the greatest uh, literary achievements of all time. Such as? Moby Dick. <laughs> who who was the morbidly curious person in that scenario? Whoever read that book first. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you checked it out. Well, well, well. Hey, yeah, here we go. I We're about to get you. Because you're, now you're the first person that's, that's uh, cracked this thing open. We're uh, about to hear a well, that, review. That, that makes me angry. Um, <laughs> why does that make you angry? I, I wish one other person had shared this pain. <laughs> because now oh, I'm going to be the only person who's hey. ever even looked at a page of it. Oh, yeah, you are. I myself have not had an opportunity. No, I mean for all time. What are you talking about? No one's going to buy. So nobody bought the first book. That's your fault. You didn't put it in any book, Then George. this book, worst title I can imagine. It's a perfect title because it uh, alludes to the previous book and makes clear it's, that, it's that it is. It's more than an illusion. Plus also, and I can't believe you did this. What? You put even more recipes in it. There's a lot more recipes mm. in there. It's mostly recipes. It's largely recipes. Plus, there's, I think I put in 120 blank pages for people to put in their own recipes, which is a great idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People people have their own recipes. Right. Why why would people mm -hmm. write their own recipes yeah. in this dumb book? Well, oh. well, then you don't lose them because you know where the book They're is. They're in a book. They're probably already in a, another book. Why would they put them in this book? Because then you can get rid of that book. You can get rid of that other book. Yeah. yeah. See that? But between the two books, I don't think that's the one being gotten rid of. So, why are you discussing the logic of this? Your wife lives in a computer. Okay. Have you yes. got you there? Hey, have have you, you asked there. Siri? She might know where. I mean, it never works for me, but it might know where your wife is. I, I haven't tried that. Let me I give that a shot. You're going to give it right a try now? Right? Sure, why oh, not? Her name's Alexa, by the way. Uh, Siri, where's my wife? That may be beyond my abilities at the moment. Oh, too bad. The search continues. <laughs> well, we, we I tried. like that she says it may be, yeah, but it may not be. Thank Sounds you, like Siri. she's hiding something. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you, drug-addled cowboy. <laughs> Listen. Which one? <laughs> oh, that's me. The needle's still sticking out of my arm. Sometimes it's like I, I Tanya over here. Sometimes yeah. I take a recipe yep. mm -hmm. out of the library. Oh, you just check out one recipe from the library? delicious, mm -hmm. but then I have to bring it back and I never make that dish again. Well, this is precisely... A situation that my book would come in handy for. If you check a recipe out of the library, I could you write, can it, write down. it into my book before you have to return it to the library. Another thing Thank you can Barnaby. do with that book. Yep. Seems uh, pressing flowers. You make that <clears throat> meal and then press a little bit in the meal into the book, so you got a visual representation of what you ate. Right. That's so you just squish idea. some food in the book. That's right. That's yeah. a great. Well, maybe they can market this book to uh, babies who are just learning how to eat solid food. Now, listen. Another thing with this sure. book, yes. and I can't believe I noticed this. Uh huh. 
you've repurposed a lot of the poems that from, were in the, the first book, book, and you just yep. sprinkled in the year 2018 into a lot of them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, that's not a new poem. That Lonesome Cowboy in 2018 yeah, is in exact, this book. Exactly. Yeah, that's my most famous poem. It's the same old poem you just put poem. in 2018. In, in 2018, it. but I put it in there all throughout the poem. And sometimes I even put it in a place where now I got to rhyme with it. That's a lot of work. It's hard to find rhymes for 2018. Fre- is it really? Well, frequently I just rhymed it again with 2018, which is fine. Funny face bean. Funny face bean. Great spleen. Oh, well, if you're going to say any word that rhymes with een. Your conscience is not clean. Well, that's good. See that? I'll put that in there. This is why I sent it to you. That's good advice from a publisher. No one, no one's going to buy. Here's my advice. Okay, all right. Pretend this book never happened. No one's going to buy this book. Oh, that's, that is the most insulting and ridiculous thing. Well, let me ask you this. Said to me. Why haven't you yeah. tried a different publisher, or have you? I have tried all of the oh, publishers. Oh, and what did they say? I can't hear from anybody. I, nobody's called me back. Why do you think I that is? I have no idea why that I'll is. I'll fucking take 10 copies right now. 10 copies right now. There we go. We just sold 10. Now, have you sold? How many other books have you sold today? You just sold ten books. That's right. I'll Say buy that. one of those copies from you. Okay. You can buy them off. I'm of selling them at yeah. a markup. Why don't you buy it from him? Because then that would be eleven books sold. I don't understand. All how right, Thomas but anyway, works. that would be more helpful. But uh, yeah, I I don't know why I didn't hear from it because you know what the problem is. Everybody knows. But let's just call out the elephant. Uh huh. Yeah. Publishers are to a man city slickers. Every single goddamn one of them. You literally, you. I mean, you're not going to argue with that. You can't get a book, a job publishing books if you're not a goddamn city slicker. Isn't that right? And you, you don't deny being a city slicker. Please don't deny it. Uh, okay, I don't deny being a city slicker. Thank you. I rest my Have case. you ever thought about self-publishing the book? I thought that's what I was doing. I sent it to you. I'm the... What? How do you think that's self-publishing? I wrote it, and I sent it to you. <laughs> Sending is not publishing. Well, that's city slicker logic. But I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what else you mean. But anyway, here's my question. Can, uh-huh. we, can we get it into uh, the Amazon? What? Have you, uh, have you heard anything that I've said for the past years that we've known each other? Not, no, I can't get I mean... I, I guess it's possible to get it. Hot damn! The book is going no. to Amazon, folks. You can pre-order my new book, but no one's gonna buy it. Uh, sure, they can. They can pre-order it. Well, Russell, thank you so much for buying my new book, and I'm I'm excited about it and agreeing to put it in on Amazon. Uh, and I'm glad that you loved it as much as you said that you did. And this is this is terrifying, delusional behavior. Like you've you've really you've really gone on a decline since the last time I've seen you. What are you talking about? This is now it's immediate. Like I'm on I the just, up and up. I just said yeah. how terrible the book is. I want nothing to do with it. And you're thanking me for loving it and publishing it. Well, because I heard the one thing you said, and I'm trying not to hear the others. You said could, you could get it on Amazon. That's Did you say that? Somewhat healthy that you're admitting that. So thank you very much. All right. Well, good. So that's exciting. That's a big development. I'm glad I fooled you into coming down here to see your wife's dead body. Well, now, Jesus. Why don't you hang around? Are you a fan of Bonanza? The television that, show Bonanza. That moldy old TV show? Oh, you idiot. And this show is the greatest TV show that's ever been on television. We're going to talk about the pilot episode of Bonanza right now. That's, this is a podcast called Bonanza for Bonanza. But, okay, Bonanza, where it's all these guys. 
uh, pretending to be cowboys. They're standing in front of a painting of the, the Wild West or whatever. Man, oh, man. Looks like somebody needs to be educated about Bonanza, <laughs> and your education's about to start. We're going to talk about episode one of Bonanza, A Rose for Lotto. Why don't you hang around and learn a few things about Bonanza? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode has everything. A chantreuse. A what? A chantreuse. There's a chantreuse. What's a chantreuse? A singer. And Do you a mean color. a chantreuse? What? Chantreuse. I believe it's a chantreuse. And there's some mining tycoons and a couple of bare knuckle brawls and a whole lot of explaining about things that happened in the past. Oh, and Chinese people. So this one has everything. And folks, you, you got to watch it. All right. The Ponderosa. I can't believe you have a home on the Ponderosa. You come sometime. Yep, I will. And this show takes place in 1859. Keep that, tuck that away in your brain for a later moment. All right, let's go through <laughs> scene by scene. <laughs> You're going to learn a lot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so the episode starts. I'm learning that I don't get good cell reception here, so I don't know how I'm going to get an Uber home. Yeah, no, that's true. I, 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 I'm saw to that. Uh the episode you saw to that. You never get cell reception within a mile of here. What did you? What, how did you arrange that? It wasn't easy. You know what it sounds like? What city slicking behavior? Well, not exactly. Oh. See, what I did was I strapped some dynamite to a cell tower. <laughs> like to see you try that in the city. Well, <laughs> this here is uh, the show starts with Ben Cartwright. That's Lauren Green's character and his eldest son Adam. And they're just uh, uh, riding horses and talking about stuff. And You know, in those days, a Hollywood actor used to have to ride a horse. These days, they don't. Anyways, uh, they're talking about how they got to move a thousand head of prime stock down from the high pasture. Boy, isn't that beautiful? Oh, God, a real that cowboy takes a problem. long time. See that? That's, yeah. a, that's a cowboy problem. That's right? That's like, that makes me turgid. See that? Yeah. And then uh, that, that's the first scene. Great scene. Great way to start off. Here's a piece of trivia. This is the first episode of Bonanza to feature the burning map in the opening credits. It's the first. <laughs> it's in every episode. What? It's in every episode. That's so why correct. wouldn't it be in the first one? It is in the first one. That's what I'm saying. Right. But it's not remarkable that this is the first. Why are you arguing this? The- You're not wrong. This is the first episode ever to feature the burning map. Because it's the first episode. They had never done it previously. Well, it's the first episode to feature any of the characters. Of course it is. Don't you get it? Listen, are you really just going to... 
talk through the whole show minute by minute? Maybe. Is that what this thing is? I don't know how you're supposed to do this. It's the first episode. Why are you doing it? Why am I doing what? Because I'm trying to call attention to the greatest goddamn television show of all time, Bonanza. I this, think- is, this is the first episode of this podcast That's to correct. feature a discussion of the burning map in the first episode of Bonanza being the first time that ever appeared in an episode of Bonanza. I appreciate that, Barbara. That's some nice trivia about this episode. Well, this is the first time someone's made that point in this episode. See, that's a good point. You're you're getting getting in. There's a lot of milestones going on, Roger. I'm giddy just sitting here. You want me to move through the episode faster? I can do that. Then in the second scene, we meet Haas. He's a second brother. And he's what a city slicker might call overweight, but uh, he's a, he's meant to be a brawny giant. Now, why would he wear that crazy hat that calls more attention to him? He's like not hiding the fact that he's gigantic. But well, he can't hide the fact that he's gigantic. Precisely. But, but why would you if you're if you're like you know a seven foot you know circus strongman? Uh-huh. Why are you going to wear like a two foot hat? Well, uh, it makes you two feet taller. I don't even understand yeah, the question. No. Yeah, then you're it, nine feet. Then it's you're proportional. Nine, now you're a nine feet circus strongman. It's man. proportional. Well, would you have him wear like a little tiny hat? Well, then, because then he'd just look ridiculous. Yeah, oh, tiny yeah. hat yeah, and I vertical guess, stripes. I guess I was thinking he'd wear like a little uh, Yogi Bear hat. Yeah, I mean, that uh, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, maybe yeah. he should have worn like a birthday party hat. Well, now you're just Just being, off to one side. Yeah, you don't get it. Giant man in a tiny hat always looks like a walrus. <laughs> And I don't recommend it. All right. Well, How do you know what a walrus is? I don't <laughs> <laughs> well, I may not know. Uh, enti- I, never, I may not know everything there is to know about a walrus, like what a walrus is deep inside. But I've seen them. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll get to the first clip because I've chosen a clip from this show that I think really will help people understand this show. Uh, this is a. Uh, how do I even explain this? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> First of all, this comes right after a bare-knuckle brawl. First bare-knuckle brawl of the episode. It's fantastic. And this is a scene in which now it's it's three men, four men, living on the Ponderosa, a father and his three sons, and there's no women there. And they've got the uh, only person they have to cook for them is Hop Singh. And Hop Singh is a Chinaman. And he uh, has been, it's been established already before this that he is the best damn cook this side of San Francisco. They didn't know what good cooking was till Hop Singh come along. They really need Hop Singh. And now, so in this scene, boy, oh boy, it's beautiful. It's a real showdown between Ben Cartwright, played by Lauren Green, and Hop Singh. And you'll see how he handles it. He I, handles I have, it like a real I man have of the a whip. Terrible feeling in the pit of my stomach just hearing that description. What? Well, I don't know. What do you mean by that? Because he's a good cook. All right. <laughs> Let's watch this clip now from Rose Ferlata. <laughs> Where that devil you're hiding, you celestial sky gazer? You got four hungry men who want to know what's for dinner. Yell, yell. Why you all the time have to yell? Why do I have to yell? <laughs> I go. I go away now. Hopsing, wait a minute. Hopsing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Hopsing. You, you can't do that. Why, if you left here, I'd waste away to the shadow. You know that. You tell the old man he speaks soft, not yell. Then maybe Hopsing stay. Paul, I'm powerful hungry. I ain't had but a couple of three breakfasts since morning. Besides, Paul, you know as well as I do, old Hop Singh's the best dang cook this side of San Francisco. There it is. Won't you go ahead and apologize to him? He's got to apologize to a Chinese man. Boss is right. 
<laughs> He's right, Paul. This is cutting edge. We never knew what yep. cooking was like till Hop Singh came here. Yep. Paul, I sure am hungry, Paul. Don't do it. I can smell dinner. Don't do it. He got an idea. Hop Singh, very sorry. Very, very sorry. That's how you do it. Get the man equipped in Roast pig? Roast pig. Did you say roast pig? There we go. How about that scene? <laughs> I ben so Cartwright is placed in an impossible position. He's got to apologize to a Chinese man. <laughs> he Kobayashi marooned that. <laughs> you see how he handled it? And there's a moment there when you're like, how's he going to handle this? Is he going to apologize to a Chinese man? You can see it flash across his face. Humiliating. It's a showdown. I have some notes. Okay. Why has already been made. Why is everybody acting <laughs> like... <laughs> They're at the Winter Garden Theater. Like they're, 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 everyone is, is like belting it out to the gods. Yeah. Right? Well. It's television. That's a good question. In those days, people used to sit farther back from their televisions. Also, the camera used to use a real zoom in lens, lens and get, I don't know, about, what, 100 yards back, I believe? That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. So as not to spook the actors. With their lenses. And I, speaking of spooking the actors, I just yep. like to appreciate mm -hmm. what we froze on. Oh, yeah. That, just look at the look on his face. Who, who are you looking at? Dan uh, Blocker. Dan Blocker. Yeah, this demented as, guy. As he's hoss. so excited about food. I get it. He looks like he's going to eat the chef. He <laughs> says he's only had a couple, three breakfasts since morning. Hot damn. Yeah. That He's got to keep your energy up when you're out on the range. That's a man. A man eats like that. That's beautiful. <laughs> Making me hungry so just you, thinking about You don't find this uh, disgusting, like the, ra the, the roast pig? I like a roast pig. Racist caricature of a Chinese person. What are you talking about? But this actor was What are you talking about? Right. I don't even understand. Oh, the broken English and, you know, and then uh, Lauren Green, when he talks back to him, it's it's offensive. You don't find this offensive? Offensive? That's what's beautiful about it. I mean, first of all, I don't know what, um, it is established that he's a good cook, so that's a nice compliment for all the Chinese people. <laughs> right. And then... How is it a nice compliment for all the Chinese people? How is it not? It elevates them all to cooks. Also, right. Lauren Green talks back in Chinese. No, you see no. that? That was culturally sensitive. He Thank apologized you. to him in his own language. That's right. He took the time to learn his offensive dialect. Yeah. I didn't even think about it that way, but you're right. Yeah. But yeah, he's there now, and he's got to apologize, and you can see it's a real dilemma, and he comes up with just the way to do it, and Hop Singh uh, appreciates the apology and walks off and goes and cooks. He solves the situation and hangs on to his dignity like a man. That's a hell of a scene. I bet that meal was extra good that night. I'll bet you it was. And yep. they avoided bloodshed. They sure did. Would have been bloody if Hop Singh hadn't accepted the apology. Do you guys think this is real? Think what is real? <laughs> Bonanza, the, you, the way you're talking about it, it makes it seem like you think these were real people. It's not now, but it did happen. You think this is a, based on history, like historical documents? I think it's yeah. autobiographical. It Look at their clothes. Autobiographical? Yeah. Who, who wrote it? The writer. Right, and who was that? I don't know his name. I'm not... But do you think it's one of these guys? It's uh, Pa or Little Joe? It has to be one of them. Otherwise, how would they know what happened? Right, right. Yep. So yep. you think when it says written by up there, that's probably a pseudonym? I don't I don't cotton to your city slicker. Well, that's I'm saying right. they're using, he's that's using right. a fa false moniker. How's that? That sounds much better. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so this guy from the 1800s, he's like, I, I don't want to join the union, so uh, I'll just use this fake name. Excuse me, Sean. May I direct you to a television program called Little House on the Fucking Prairie? Here, here. Written by Laura Ingalls Wilde, a lady who wore big flowing floral dresses she on sure the field. Did. You couldn't tell her from a daffodil. It yep. 
was real. It was real. And I just, Case closed. I just about got blown up when they blew up something on that. What's on that? Little House on the Prairie? Yeah, I was driving in my Bronco, and I slipped off the road, and they, they were, you know, three, two, one, and it blew up a thing. You're kidding me. Nope. And uh, I had to replace the Bronco. You did? Michael Landon himself yelled at me. You're kidding me. And then we went home and shared his wife. That's <laughs> I've heard that about so him. So that pretty much proves my point. It sure does. What a misfortune to be around the set of Little House on the Prairie when they were filming one of their many explosions. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, Dalton. How do you feel about the fact that Michael Landon started a movie called I Was a Teenage Werewolf? Uh, what? Wait a minute. He was in that picture? That's right. He no, played he the titular teenage werewolf. Well... That makes me very angry. Yeah. And who it makes me angry at is the son of a bitch who canceled Bonanza because then it wouldn't have made him had to go on to do that. Oh, he did that first and then Bonanza. I don't believe you're right. <laughs> By the way, we're going to talk. All right. Well, well, we'll talk about it in one second. But first, I want to tell you, in the very next scene, we find out the plot of this episode. Ooh. Man, it is a dilly. Holy shit. They're, the mining tycoons in Virginia City, it turns out, what their plan is, is they want to get their hands on some of the timber on the Ponderosa Ranch because they need it for their mining operations. As they say, they need timber to support their tunnels and shafts. And I don't know how the censors let that pass, but they put that in there. It was a different time. It was a different time. I think maybe must not have heard it. But, uh, and so to do that, because the Cartwrights will not give up any of their trees, their precious trees. And so they come up with a plan to do it where they send a beautiful actress, Lotta, forget her last name, uh, Crabtree, Lotta Crabtree. And she goes to the Ponderosa, and her, tr her job is to lure one of the Cartwright boys into Virginia City where they're going to hold him captive, and they're going to bargain with his life for the trees. That's the plan. That's exciting, right? That's an exciting it's episode. Demented. <laughs> How that? It's a it's an evil plan, and no doubt about it. It's cruel. Seems like a fairly typical kidnapping plan to me. Uh huh. They have something you want. Yep. You take something of theirs. That's right. You tell them if they give you what you want in the first place, you'll give them back the thing. There you go. That's the plot. You've summed it up beautifully, Bartleby. They Thank did you. this on Little House on the Prairie a couple times too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well now, now when we meet. A lot of Crabtree, and this would tie into something you just said about Michael Landon, but differently. That actress is an actress by the name of Yvonne DiCarlo, who plays a lot of no Crabtree. Uh-oh. It's no goddamn shit. Yvonne DiCarlo. Uh-oh. Now, I'm doing a oh, Munsters shit. podcast. You know that, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. Are you doing a podcast about the Munsters? That's right. Uh -huh. Oh, that's going to make you mad. I was. Um, listen to me. That goddamn show, The Munsters, no fucking around. Hold on. I'm doing it to defame it. That guy, you better be. You better be, because yeah. no... Television show or movie in the history of entertainment has ever glorified monsters more than the goddamn monsters. That show was you. made for the purpose of making the goddamn vampires and Frankensteins and werewolves seem cuddly and cute and non-threatening. I mean, the number of people who, because they had seen that show, got lured into uh, interactions with monsters and then eaten or otherwise destroyed must be in the dozens of hundreds. And it makes me furious that that show existed and that Yvonne DiCarlo went on to play literally a character who married a Frankenstein. 
God damn it. And she herself was part vampire or some shit. Some shit. Well, her grandfather, her grandfather was a vampire. Her grandfather was a vampire. Right. 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 Her you know, as a child, I will say one yep. thing against the Munsters. As a child, it frustrated me that they had a dragon living under the stairs. Yeah. yeah. And every once in a while, the stairs would lift up and you'd see his glowing eyes and he'd, he'd shoot mm-hmm. out some flames. And as I remember as a kid, I was always frustrated that he never came out of the from underneath the stairs and like... I wanted to see him, you know. You wanted to see him. Yeah, they just teased you with this idea of the dragon. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you two fellas would be perfect guests for my show where we take it apart. First so you're episode. doing like a How Did This Get Made, but with the Munsters. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You're doing an episode by episode of the Munsters? But it's an episode by episode takedown. In the first in the pilot better episode. better be a right. brutal, brutal right. takedown. That's right. Their Chinese cook comes out in the first episode, and then they got to yell. I'm sure he does. Wait a second. <laughs> what? Chinese cook. Chinese cook in the Munsters? Sure. Well, lot of <laughs> lot of successfully ensnares little Joe. That's Michael Landon, bringing him back to Virginia City. They have a little bit of dialogue that I found interesting. Where uh, oh boy, he's uh, he's he says something nasty about Yankees, and she says, "What's so wrong about a Yankee?" And he says, "Ma'am, if you don't already know, what's the use in me telling you? It is 1859." So, uh, little Joe supports slavery, and I think. <laughs> It's just good to note. Well, a lot of it was a different time. <laughs> yeah, it was a different, different time. time. It was a different time. <laughs> well, now uh, little Joe goes into Virginia City where he meets Hop Ling, Hop Singh's brother. Oh, come on! <laughs> nope, you're making it up. Uh, nope, Hop Singh's brother is named Hop Ling, and he's just as comically Chinese. Virginia City, by the way, is overrun with Chinese. It seems to be literally thousands of tents full of Chinese doing laundry. Is there the, was a lot of laundry in Virginia City back in those days. And only the Chinese were qualified to do it. Isn't that correct? Well, they got the jobs. They had li- they, they were licensed and qualified uh, mm-hmm. and had ancient uh, laundry. It's not just that they were foreign immigrants of another race who were looked down upon and that's the only jobs they could get. It's that they were the only ones who were qualified. Oh, these Chinese got a real corner on the laundry market. The uh-huh. White men couldn't do it. They were dying for those couldn't jobs. Couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't do it. Well, anyways, and then uh, what happens? A lot of, you know, who, you know blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of the episode. That's also the third Chinese brother. Hop saying hop blang and blah, blah, blah. Well, Lada's job is to keep uh, little Joe uh, busy in her hotel room, and she talks about her uh, guiding principles in life, which is greed, greed, greed. <laughs> so wait, the the, the mining guys, they yeah. hired an actress? Yes, to- one of the most beautiful and most renowned actresses in the world, as they refer to her. And her job is to is to take a, a wagon, an out-of-control wagon, through the Ponderosa and break a wheel. That's part of the plan, breaking a wagon wheel. Why did it need to be an actress? Why couldn't it just be a pretty prostitute who could lie good? Uh, do you know be- what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And the answer is because there is a beautiful scene in this movie where we get to see part of Lotta Crabtree's stage show. I see. And if it had been quite a prostitute, a, that would have been— Quite a bit, actually. We get to see quite much, a bit much of Much more than you would have expected. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you sure do. Funny thing, too, by the way, little Joe says— I, She says, I hope you'll come to my show. And he says, I don't know what could keep me away. And then he shows up just in time for the last song. Wait, so, okay, so he knows <laughs> yes, she's— Yes, he was very late. He knows she's an actress. Yeah, oh, yes. She says that right up front when her wagon wheel breaks. She says, I'm Lotta Crabtree. They go, the Lotta Crabtree, and they're all excited. And that's part of the ensnarement. 
That's what part of what get, gets him uh, to take her all the way into Virginia City. So, He'll do anything for a pretty actress. It's a ridiculous plan. Well, evidently not because it goddamn worked. So, uh, anyways, okay. Now, Hop Singh, <laughs> or Ling, Singh saves the day inadvertently. Typical Chinese man. But <gasps> he stumbles into success. He tells the Cartwright boys that uh, Little Joe is on his way to Virginia City. And so the Cartwright boys scramble together a plan, and they go into Virginia City. And Ben Cartwright, and they, they, uh, they, uh, they're, they're at the Sazerac. And they, they confront the— oh, mi- Owned the, by one of the ten tycoons. Alpheus Troy. And they— uh, <laughs> They confront, and we have a good old-fashioned goddamn gunfight. Let's watch that now. This is a damn good. A showdown. A showdown in the Sazerac. Where is he? Where's my son? May I ask you, Mr. Cartwright, to address whatever questions you may have to my friend, Langford Poole. (coughs) Take your time turning around. Mr. Poole, as you well know, boasts 12 notches on his gun. He seems to have some problems focusing. <laughs> he does not look Go well. Cartwright. He just woke up from a nap. Go home before I kill you. You tell me to go home. You with the smell on you of the charnel house. Of flesh rotting and stinking in the sun. Yeah. That's a good line. You gonna die for saying that to me, old man. You gonna die. You have any argument, Poole? You don't have it with my father. You have it with me. One Cartwright is just about the same to me as another. Oh, what an insult. Look at that face. Sweat? No sweat. Yep. Gotta do the close-up of the eyes. Who shot who? I don't know. Yes, I do. God damn. <laughs> Check, please. The end of Langford yeah. Pool. There we go. Thank or you so it? much. That's good. That's good. Cut it off right. What a gunfight that was. <laughs> that was a good one, man. Yeah, that was good. And I'll tell you, that is what I say to this day. Anytime somebody tells me to go home, I say, you tell me to go home. You with the smell on you of the charnel house of flesh rotting and stinking in the sun. And then sometimes I do go home. Is that a grave insult, do you think? If someone said that to you, would you be willing? Well, who am I asking? I'd shoot him. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. I like that they, that they showed each other their crotches right before they started shooting at each other. Oh, I think they might have been showing each other their guns. What? Never mind. Do you I think, think uh, yeah. when they were casting the part of Adam, uh-huh. they put out a notice that said, wanted the blandest possible actor? I think they probably did because... Mm-hmm. Uh, what's more manly than blandness? You understand what I'm saying? He looks incredibly manly with an expressionless face. Do you think he's manlier than uh, Lorne Green? Than Lorne Green? Yeah. That's not possible. <laughs> that is the ultimate. The you ultimate tell me manhood. to go home. Yeah. With the, oh, so manly. Oh, is Lorne Green in here? Oh, I looked up what a charnel house is, by the way. It is a vault or building where human skeleton remains are stored. I got one of those. Often built near churches for depositing bones that are unearthed while digging graves. So that is quite a serious accusation. I didn't think you smell the, like the charnel house. Yeah, I didn't think the West could get any worse. And then they have a special skeleton building. Sure they do. When you're digging graves, sometimes you got to dig up other bones and stick them in a house. Is digging graves in this? Uh, digging graves, yep. Yeah. Digging <laughs> graves played Langford Pool. Oh, that's digging graves. I thought I looked. 
familiar that to was him. him. That was him. Actually, here's an interesting piece of trivia. The actor that played Langford Poole, he was never on Bonanza again playing the role of Langford Poole, but he was on Bonanza three more times. <laughs> <laughs> playing three different guys. He That's has how it one was. of those faces. He's just got one of those faces. <laughs> He's got three of those faces. Yep. Four of those faces. Well, I don't know how much more I need to tell you about this episode, except that there's a really exciting chase scene through the laundry tents where a lot of Chinese get spoken. Thousands of Chinese people doing mountains of laundry is uh, takes up a lot of this episode. There's, there's a very funny moment where little Joe says, no ticky, no washing him. Brother, I just about busted a gut. Uh, you, you can't. That really happens? Yeah, he hides in a pile of laundry, and uh, and Hop Ling is all upset, and he's mad because the bad guys ransack his tent, but they don't find Little Joe. And Little Joe pops out of this pile of laundry, and he's just having a time of his life. He's just laughing and laughing, and he says, no ticky, no washing, and I'll tell you how just about. Who's he say this? He says it to the... Oh, he, say, he says it to the person who appreciated the most, Hop Ling. <laughs> And Hop Ling can't argue because he's right, basically. Well, that is probably his policy. What does it even... I don't understand why he's saying that. He's hiding in some laundry. Uh-huh. He doesn't get found. He pops yeah. out and goes, no ticky, no washy. That's right. What? What is it in response to? It was a moment of exuberance when he knew that men who were coming to kill him had failed in their mission. So it was like a hooray. Yes, expressed slightly differently. Yeah. I, well, it's very funny. I just That's all I know. It's real funny. And then at some point, one of these Chinese guys' tents gets set on fire for hard to think of a reason. And then there's Racism? A, then there's a big fight. And uh, then we're, I'll play the very end of the episode here. Thank this God. is the very end of A Rose for Lotta, the first episode of Bonanza. And this scene, you will see how a man woos a woman. This is Adam and Lotta. Prior to this, Adam has helped Lotta onto a horse. And threatened to break her arm. Wait and a second. I thought she was with <laughs> I thought she was with little Joe. So you thought. Now right up till this scene. Uh, yep. Uh, uh-huh. A little bit of a subplot is a smoldering intensity between Adam and Lotta, which so he, comes to fruition in this scene right now. He's threatening to break her arm and what else? He helped her onto he a horse. Her onto a horse. And then he threatened to break her arm. Okay. And that's two different scenes, of course. She's All had right. many scenes with little Joe. A lot of scenes with little Joe up to this point. Mm-hmm. Staring at her. Staring her down. She's thinking. (laughs) She's staring back. Ben and Haas. Perfect wingman. Sometimes you just need a push, and that push needs a tap. Now look at how he romances her establishes a connection. We're watching his brothers get on their horses for a good long time. God, imagine being a horse's horse. <laughs> God damn right. He just kisses her. No words exchanged. And then, the coup de grace. Goodbye forever. <laughs> he didn't even go out the door. Nope. So long, lady. Good luck with that Frankenstein you're going to marry. Tips his hat. That's it. She just had her world rocked. Look how they're galloping like a dressage. One thing you really want to do when you're out riding is make sure you 
have horses riding at the same speed on either side. Very important. That's the end of the show right there. How did they, how did anyone ever watch it again? Because it was on, on a week later. Yeah, Those exactly. Clips, it was on television. Uh, the yeah. most boring thing I've ever seen. What are you talking about? The most here's the most interesting thing to me. Okay. Is that Adam, yeah. uh, the Pennell Roberts? Um, I noticed Adam, that it's, it's Adam. Okay. Yeah. His face is on the same continuum as like uh, Greg Brady and Carson Daly. Oh yeah. Right? Okay, I can see that. I'd throw a Brad Garrett in there if you'd allow me. That's on the extreme end. It's still on the spectrum. True. Just yep. like maybe some people in here. <laughs> cut that out. That's the face fa- We'll cut that out. <laughs> so you're saying that- You're talking about the face family. That, yeah, he's in the a face, face family. He's in a face family. It's like great, Anderson great. Cooper, Breckenmeyer, and Bill Maher. There, that's a face family. That's a face family. That's right. What were you going to say, Barbara? Uh, I was just going to say, you're pointing out the fact that he's one of a number of successful people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I think that is what he's pointing out. Well, you got me there, Bartleby. Yeah, he's a that's got that's a real manly performance right there. I like that. Now, you know, I I think we've all done that with women. Just Stand. somebody the the only conversation you've had before involved threatening to break her arm, mm-hmm. and then you just stare at her and kiss her and walk out forever. That's I had, beautiful. I had a scene just like that with an oh. ex-wife. When yep. we broke up, I, I had accidentally uh, got injected my whole face with Novocaine. You, oh. And it was, ju- that and it was, was just like that. You could have, I mean, if you took Polaroid after Polaroid, because it was the 70s, uh-huh. then it would have looked just like that. You Can you walk that? me through this accident? Yeah. Um, my uh, dentist wanted to pull out a tooth, uh-huh. and I was drunk. And uh-huh. I said, no, you ain't. And we're, we got in a fight, and my forehead hit the needle, and it mm-hmm. knocked my glasses off. Yeah. And then uh, and then there was another one stuck to my hand, because I'd had a chocolate bar, and it was stuck. Anyway. <laughs> another one what, needle? Another needle. Stuck in the no chocolate? Cane and stuck yep. to my hand. Yep. So when I That's took off my wash glasses, your it got me in the cheek. So it more looked like I kind of had, like, palsy or a stroke. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's my fault. I asked. <laughs> Leave Can that in. <laughs> Folks, you got to wash your hands before you go to the dentist. So we will leave that in. Well, a strong argument could be made that we should have taken a break a while ago, but we'll take one <laughs> now. <laughs> Is this the first break? I'm afraid so. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Who gives a shit? The next act will be short. Well, everything's going fine, and we'll be right back. Well, all right, we're back after uh, just a perfect length first act of this podcast. And now, uh, here we're going to do, are you ready for this, Bottle This is exciting. What I'm we're, ready. What we're going to do now <laughs> is a cowboy poetry workshop. Now, this I is was how. born ready. Not this again. <laughs> what do you mean, this again? Did we do oh, this last time? Yeah. Well, this is, what a, this is what cowboy poets do. We share our works and progress with one another. and we give Because no one else wants to hear. Pointers and tips. Sure. What, what do you mean no one else wants to hear? Just cowboys do no, this for one another? It's, it's great poems. you have each other for this. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And you, you can weigh in too, by the way, as a publisher. You can give oh, us may your, I? your opinion. And specifically, these poems are are about Bonanza because this podcast is devoted to Bonanza. These poems that we've written are on the subject of Bonanza. Well, and I did not know. Oh, you didn't know that? I did No, I did not know this podcast would be about Bonanza when I wrote 
my poem about Bonanza. You're kidding me. No. That's an extraordinary coincidence. Yes. That's magical. All right. Right. Well, I did know. know. Yeah. Right what you know. Right what you know, and you know Bonanza. Mm-hmm. Damn fine. All right. Shall I go first? Yes. My poem. Dang it, I forgot to give it a goddamn title. Well, I'll tell you what it is at the end. All right. <laughs> Here it is. I didn't realize your poems had titles. Oh, no, my the, poems always have titles. The titles aren't that descriptive, though, are they? You of don't really they spend are. that much time on the title. I spend more time on the title than the poem itself. Oh, that makes sense, I guess. And by the time we get to the end of this poem, well, it'll be obvious. Like what the, the title one where be. you have sex with the hole in the ground. What's that one called? That Lonesome Cowboy, 2018. <laughs> That's the name of that one. Oh, there you go. See, that's our campfire sound effect. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and loud. That's, <laughs> that's how it is out there. Gather around a campfire and read each other our poems. But it, uh, it could be a little quieter, I think. All right. Here we go. A true cowboy of the American West doesn't need TV. He likes campfires best. If he wants to watch some ranchers working on the land, he can look out his damned window and then go lend a hand. But what about those ignorant city-slicking jackasses? How could cowboys educate the stupid, stupid masses? Bonanza, 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 bonanza! A real no-bullshit television extravaganza. Four real men living on the Ponderosa, doing what they want to and doing what they're supposed to. Adam has a face, but it ain't too expressive. Hoss is a giant, and that there is impressive. Little Joe is pretty, too pretty if you ask me. But the Cartwright I like best is Ben, tough and fair and free. He's a hell of a rancher and a real good dad, and you'll regret it if you make him mad. He's got more good qualities than a short poem can mention, but there's one thing about him that's caught my attention. Ben Cartwright has buried three wives. (laughs) Because they died. Something ended their lives. The story goes that childbirth is the thing that killed the first... The second died by Indian, because Indians are the worst. The third fell off a horse and was that way dismembered. But except for old Ben Cartwright, there's no one else remembers. No one else can tell the tales of how these women died. Is it possible that when old Ben Cartwright said those things, he lied? Maybe his first wife was cursed by a mummy. He'd have shot her then, because Ben ain't no dummy. Maybe his second was a black lagoon creature. He'd have killed her, too. Yep, that'd teach her. The third one, a werewolf? Who knows? You get the point. The Ponderosa's too nice a place to have monsters in the joint. Ben Cartwright is smart. He puts safety before romance. The type of guy who probably keeps a stake of wood down his pants. Which I do, in case I'm going to run into any vampires. Well, that's my poem. And I wow. Got, thank you very much. What should the poem be? Ben Cartwright buried three wives. That's a good title. You don't want to go with uh, Do Not Read? (laughs) Why would you call it that? Why would you call it that? Because that might inhibit people from reading it. It's just some city slick of humor. Oh. Listen, as terrifying as that- Keep the campfire going. We're still at the campfire. As As terrifying as that was- Terrifying? um, I think a a new level of uh, horror has been added to you. The idea of you just sitting around staring at a fire- what do you mean? Of course you do. That's what a cowboy does at night. He's just sits around and stares at the fire? Of course, and he imagines things burning. Like, Unless he's on are- watch, then he stares away from the fire yeah. to see if anything's going on with the cows. That's exactly right. That Take he turns. needs to handle. 
like turns what, and watch. What's a, what's a sort of cow situation that happens at night that he needs to get involved in? Giving birth, running away, mm-hmm. sexing. Why does... <laughs> You're talking about the cows giving birth and running away and, and mating with one another. Yes. Cows. Why yeah. does he need to get involved in the mating? In case the cow needs help. What? Ha- okay. I'm not, I'm not, you know what? Why would I ask a question I do not want to know the answer to? You really don't want to know the answer to this one. <laughs> a lot of times, morning. cows need help mating, need human help mating. Ugh. That is why the cow is domesticated. Right? That's correct. Why, you're asking me? That's yeah. Right. That's right. Wild cows couldn't have survived. I worked for a while as a cattle midwifer. You did? Yep. Mm-hmm. And you helped them with the mating process as well as the birthing process. Look at me now. Yep. Hey, maybe you'll tell me the answer to this because I don't know. I'll try. But uh, like cows. Yep. Uh, they are domesticated, as you say. They're yep. farm animals. That's They're very correct. docile. Mm-hmm. Why is the bull so aggressive? How come that hasn't been bred out of him? Like male, female dogs, you yep. know, you have them, and uh, they can be about the same. But why, the bull, you know, just like he's not your friend ever. Yeah, that's right. Well, the reason for that is the, the bull exists as a test of manliness. That is why we have the bull. He is, he is domesticated to be undomesticated. You understand what I'm saying? The bull is there to challenge a man, to make a man rise to his best qualities uh-huh. and control that bull. This is why sometimes mm-hmm. the cowboy needs to get involved in the mating process. Yep. Because the bull, being too aggressive, mm-hmm. needs to be calmed down before he begins the actual process of intercourse. And you are the best at calming down a bull for sex, and that's been your... Reputation for a long time. Yes, I, I I make sure that they're ready to go, but not ready to do too much. Yep. <laughs> it's a fine line. It's a real sweet spot. You don't want them to be too aggressive because nope. that can spook the cow mm-hmm. and cause problems that night or down the line. Yep, yep. And you don't want them to be not aggressive enough because then nothing happens. No fucking. Hmm? I well, wouldn't put it that way, but I would agree with you. Well, you can put it however you want, but it's fucking... All right. <laughs> Bartleby, do you have a poem to share with us about Bonanza? You do. I know you do. I do. All right. And interestingly, as you know, there are certain themes that come up on a regular basis in uh-huh. poetry. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. And it seems that that's one of the things about Bonanza. Mm, oh, Mm-hmm. I think your poem and mine are, in some ways, <laughs> thematically similar. Well, they are both about Bonanza, yeah. but you're saying even beyond that. that. Seems like well, let's find out. What's your poem called? I Can Relate to Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. It goes like this. Mm. There are many paths in life, and some I've never took. I've never seen the south of France, nor have I seen a brook. (laughs) But of all the things I've never done along the paths in life, the one I've missed the most is that I've never had a wife. And Cartwright had three. He'd see a woman, and right away he'd choose her. But though I've never had one, at least I never had to lose her. 
What a beautiful oh, poem that is. Wow. That was so sad. My very God. sad. I'd like to turn that into a song. Oh, yeah. You've good. never seen a brook? <laughs> that seems a little hard to believe. It's called Poetic License. Oh, so you have seen a brook. I had to find something that rhymed in that particular spot. Oh. And I, at first, in the first draft, it was I've never seen a cook, and that seemed... Even further out of possibility, especially since I was writing about names in which Hop Singh is such a prominent character. And he is a cook. Yeah, so it'd be an obviously lie. Also, I feel to, like yeah. a brook, mm-hmm. the provenance of a brook is debatable. Yeah, it could have been a crick. Correct. Oh, I see. Or an estuary. Or oh. a rindle. Have you ever seen yep. a breakfast nook? Oh, Yes, oh. but unfortunately, there's too many syllables to try that anyway. Oh. <laughs> yep. Do you know anything about poetry? I've never seen the south of France, nor no. a breakfast nook. Nor what a breakfast nook? Uh-huh. You're missing a bit of a well, verb we're still, there. We're still talking about things we haven't seen. It's like a list. I haven't seen this. I've never this. seen the south of France... No, a breakfast nook wearing pants. That, no, that works. Wait, that what? Works. Wait a minute. What are you trying to rhyme with? In that case, it was a whole new... Po- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. no. What's happening? He's getting very... He's looking a little peaked. I'm all right. Well, Bartleby, that was a very sad poem. Yes. Is it true that you've never been married? Is that part of your poem not a lie? That's true. You never had a have have. So a in wife. that sense, it's sad, but then yep. it's also happy because I've never lost my wife. That's right. As opposed to old Ben Cartwright, and he he yeah. My he life is still filled with potential. Mm, how old are you, Bartleby? Seventy-nine. Yeah, not filled with potential then, <laughs> but. But I take your point. You can you can still get married at seventy nine. Yeah. Are you out there? Are you you're playing the scene? You're allowed to. You're allowed. Yes, they are. They passed a law. I'm now, on. I'm on Tinder and plenty of fish. Ten, Tinder and plenty of fish. And you know what? I I'd like to see you and Russell get out there together. Maybe two of you go out to a bar and and try to pick. Well, up my wife still might come back. Okay. So. All right. I forgot. Let me ask you this. Yep. Is this true on Bonanza that he's got three different? Wives, yeah, all three of his sons are from three different wives. Three different wives. Why would they put that in there? Why can't they be? You don't get the parallel between Henry the Eighth and Ben Cartwright. Only three wives instead of six, so he's like a Henry the Fourth. I guess I get it now. Yeah, it's also a great way to create some kind of tension between the brothers. Oh, it sure is. And another thing Mm -hmm. I enjoyed on that show was how they always called each other by whether they were older or younger than each other. They really help you to understand the yeah. birth order. In they called each other older brother. Yep. Let me tell you something, older brother. See, What I had, is it, little brother? I had four. Well, no, they say younger brother. Younger brother. Because little brother could be all of them oh, compared right. to horse. Oh, good point. Good point. We got time, not size. I had four brothers, and we all called each other by name. And by the time we reached a certain age, none of us knew what order we had been born in. You never would have called one of your brothers a granite-headed New England Yankee <laughs> to help the people listening in understand where his mother was from? 
If I was really trying to slam him, I would. You might. There's a lot of attempts to help uh, the audience understand where people's mothers were from. It would be yeah, more yeah. helpful if in real life people used exposition to address the people they knew at all times. It sure would My be. podcast hosting friend. It might have been helpful if they were just brothers from the one mother and she died. Well, how would that explain how they don't all look exactly alike? And why would they fight so much? Why would they fight so much? Well, they could also have it where they don't fight all the time. I'll tell you, this what episode... A boring show. Yeah. yeah. What is that, Guns? This episode was 49 minutes long, and I would say 33 of those were spent explaining the wife situation. <laughs> so you'd have to tell me what you're going to do with that extra time if you took that out. It's one too was bad from he used a New Orleans toothpick at one point. New Orleans toothpick. What's that? That's his little sword, his epee. What? In the first, if you had let me go scene by scene, describing every single scene in minute detail. Don't tell me you've never seen the first episode of Bonanza. The very first scene, little Joe is fooling around with a little sword and his, an epee, and his brother tells him, calls it a, a, what, a New Orleans French Quarter toothpick, and now we know where his mom is from. Helpful. As far as good writing goes, at first you think this is just a way to demonstrate his cultural differences from his brothers. But yeah. later in the episode, yep. it becomes very important that he knows how to use an epi. Well, not very important, <laughs> but somewhat briefly reminded of. Well, I mean, if you want yep. to show that someone is, uh, you know, of Louisiana heritage, I can think mm-hmm. of no better way on the on the old frontier than have him pull out a fencing sword. <laughs> Well, he did mention that his granddaddy fought for John Lafitte. Yep. His granddaddy was a pirate with John Lafitte and was hung at the age of 82. We learned a lot in this pilot. <laughs> I still have tremendous potential. You do. That's true. We learned a lot. Well, uh, we're going to take another break. I know it feels like we just had one, but I'd like one now because... You really hung up on these breaks. I really am. I'm, I'm, yeah. But because... What's going to happen next? This is a proper professional podcast. You've got to take breaks. Now, what's going to happen after this break is going to blow your mind because we are going to hear music from the Journeyman. Holy <laughs> shit. Goddamn. All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, the Journeyman. Welcome back to Bananas for Bonanza, the first and only podcast devoted entirely to Bonanza. And uh, this is real exciting here because we're going to hear some music from the number one purveyors of country and Western music, uh, which I believe, in my opinion, is is the official music of the country and the West. And uh, uh, so you're, what, what are you going to play for us? Well, first we're going to do a song we never what released on account of we had... Now, this is a true story. True story. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is what I alluded to earlier. Open your minds to get it. It's autobiographical. Your minds are about to be blown because this is is, the story must have come tells amazing. Go ahead. As you know, uh, Bonanza ended its run around 1973. And right around 1977, 78, they figured out the public, well, they just wasn't satisfied and they wanted more. Mm -hmm. So they come to the journeyman and they says to us, they says, why don't you reboot it? Why don't you do Bonanza again? Can you believe this? Now, we're like, well, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. We'll do it under protest because no television or any institution, for that matter, has ever had more impact on mankind than the show Bonanza. I agree. True that. But if we're going to do it, <laughs> we're going to take it to the moon. So, here's what happened. What do you mean? I'll tell you. Little Joe plays uh-huh. the Lorne Green father part. Okay. We are the children 
of Little Joe. You guys journey. was going to be in it. The we was going to be in it. It was a whole vehicle package. Oh, boy. But instead of settling the West, yeah. we're settling the West of the moon. God damn. That's right. That's amazing. Yeah. That's right. What a great idea that is. Oh, you, you like this. Cowboys <laughs> on the moon? You like this. Why not? Settling the wild west. What west could be well, wilder? Because well, you can kill some moon men. You yeah. might like something uh, like and that. It all happened. They explained to it, I don't know, like Buck Rogers became a popular TV show. Or well, that's, that's part right. of the problem. Now, they tell us, well, there's some offensive stuff in there. You're going to hear a couple songs, one of which is the theme song to this show, Moon Anza, as well as a show, a song called American Woman. Yeah. And uh, the network. Because we took America to the moon. That's right, we did. Network. We filmed a pilot. They found a lot to argue with in the pilot, but we know it was because Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers was so popular that, yeah. that uh, they were just afraid that we'd outdo them. I see. Because of the popularity of science fiction TV, they, they didn't want another science fiction That's TV. Right. Why would they be afraid? Well, they didn't want to lord it over them. Oh, so this was the TV network was saying, let's be kind. There used to be, yeah, there used to be a gentlemanly sure, aspect sure. to the TV network. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And they were afraid that people were going to start building their own rockets, you understand, and just flying out of the Like space. in that show, Salvage. What? Salvage One. Sure. Andy, Griffith, Andy Griffith, Joel Higgins. I like right. Andy Griffith. And a lady. Yeah. Yvonne a little Carlo. lady. Carlo. Mm-hmm. She was in that. I don't, well, okay. So she, this show was was to be called Moonanza. Moonanza. Right. We shot a pilot. Beautiful. In fact, we shot four seasons and they shelved the whole thing. That's a damn shame. It is. Well, yeah. we should, we, you, do you got them anywhere? Do you know oh, where I got they them. are? I got oh, well, copy, yeah. dust them off and have a screening party. You can come to that, Russell. All right. All right well, <laughs> you're going to play now for us. The theme song to Moon Anza? That's right. exactly right. And Holy this, you'd, crap. You'd hear this as you saw a burning picture of the Sea of Tranquility. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Beautiful. The Look. picture burning or the sea itself? You'd get it. Any way you want it. Yeah, That's however right. you want to interpret it. Well, this is the first time anybody's ever heard this song, and uh, I'm super excited. Ready? We're God ready. Goddamn. One, two, three. <laughs> Holy 
shit, that was beautiful. Oh, my God. I cannot believe that the world was robbed of Moon Ends of the TV show. That makes me so mad. Yeah, it's too bad. It sounds like a real thrilling adventure. <laughs> Doesn't it? How exciting that is. is it? Now, you go on to learn that it's a lunar colony, but it's also a nudist colony and all such Whoa. things. There's a lot going on. And uh, when you shoot man. guns, the bullets I mean, uh, we kind of drift off. Yeah, what happens when you shoot a gun on the moon? It just drifts off. It just, yeah. What do you mean it just drifts well, off? Just so it just drifts. And you go back because every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So we lost a lot of men floated off the moon that yeah. way. So at, at the Oh, I see. At the point of the gun, the, the person firing the gun and the bullet both travel in opposite directions at the same rate of speed? Yeah, yeah. except one-sixth that. One-sixth of that. Because there's some gravity. Did they have... Devious, greedy actresses on the moon. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Do you have any devious, greedy well, actresses on the moon? And we never put any women up there, so we don't know. On the nudist colony? and the. <laughs> it's a free love colony. Sounds like not my type of nudist colony. <laughs> well, it, was a, it was a sausage festival. Yeah. It somehow managed to be both sexist and misogynist and exclusionary, all three. Well, I can't believe it. And you made four, how many episodes of this did you make? Well, let's see. We did four seasons at 300 episodes a season. So that's like 1,200 episodes, I guess, plus the pilot, 1,201. Damn, that's a mother load of content, as yeah, they say. Yeah. Holy crap. Is it possible this didn't really happen and that you have brain problems? Not at all. We shot it on the moon. No, okay, just the, asking. And the studio gave us loads of LSD to keep everybody happy. Locked us in a room and we shot it all in a weekend. This was the late 70s. That sure was. And that was... Uh, it still is in some yeah. ways. Yeah, so as far as we remember anyway. I have heard you guys refer to that as a lost time before. Uh, well, we found it. You found it. Yeah. yeah, dusted it off. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. that sounds fantastic. I, I'd like to see it some. You'll show it to me, will you? Yes, I, yes, I will. Yes. Well, that's extraordinary. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, listen, this thing, this podcast is going to do a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, Russell is going to find you your wife. <laughs> and it's going to get our book, you and me, Russell, my book that you're publishing, and uh, a, a wider audience as well as my previous book. And uh, it's going to reinvigorate Bonanza, and I think it may lead to people demanding to see Moonanza. And Bartleby, maybe it'll get your wife. I hope so. Yeah, that'd be nice, right? I don't have a lot of time left. How old did you say you were? 79. Yeah, you really don't. I also what? could see it being used as uh, evidence in a trial. <laughs> What, this podcast? Yeah. What kind of a trial are you talking about? You mean like a Supreme Court trial setting the precedent for good quality entertainment? But I don't think it'll need to go that high, but um, no, no. I, th I think just, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If yeah. it is used in a trial, uh -huh. this will be the first time a podcast in which the first time the burning map on the opening credits of Bonanza is used... <laughs> In a trial, I lost my way. <laughs> if we're going back that far in this episode, can I put Bobby Cannavale in that face spectrum? Oh, yeah. He belongs. Okay. He's in the face family. Yeah, Brady. I can see him in that face family. Right, sure. Thanks. Yep. All right. Well, I, I enjoyed that. I don't suppose there's any possible way in hell we could ever convince <laughs> you or persuade you or consuade you to play... Another song. What do you yeah. think, Shunt? You got it in you? Well, I think uh, I think we all play that one that we wrote for the show, and that this was like the nail in the coffin for the episodes that we shot. 
Oh, so you guys do have some more mild filth and racism backed by acoustic guitars? You asked for it, Perfect. friend. I don't even call it mild. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so this song was written for Moon Answer as well. That's right, but we ended up putting it on our number one album, Mount Us More. Yeah. Oh, Mount Us More. You can All get right. that at Bandcamp. I get it at yeah. Bandcamp and yeah. pre-order it on Amazon. Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> Well, it's cold And the sun doesn't seem to want to work no more Last night hangs in my temples And my lower back is sore There's a rustle in the blankets And your hair falls over the pillow Something tells me we're finally on the man. American woman, Navajo witch, genital warming, crotchular rich. Won't you give me some time to take penicillin for the pain? There's ten bucks on the nightstand. I pulled two hundred more. And the butt floating in the tumbler reminds me there's no more scotch to pour. My wristwatch is still tangled in your lace brassiere. And the letter to the correction house says your brother's still in there. Time for me to find my boots and head out on the road. I would have liked to wake you, but your insomnia told me no. I left your dog the cheeseburger that we shared last night, and I mailed the letter for you to that social parasite.
what a goddamn what a song that was. Shut McGuppin, Mutt Taylor, Cubby Lauderborn, Tits Hanrahan, and uh, Jimmy Blades and Thumper Collins, the Journeyman. <laughs> Wowie wow. That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was legitimately traumatizing. It was. <laughs> What do you mean by that? What do you care? What, what do I care? Do you care what I feel? Uh, no. You but tell I... me my wife's dead body was here. Now you're like, what do you mean by traumatizing? What do you, you don't care, Dalton. Well, I'm sorry that your wife's dead body isn't here. I apologize. <laughs> That's such a weird apology for me to accept. I wish I'd had a dead body to show you. I really do. But <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't, frankly. I, well, I... I can't find one. <laughs> Stick a wig on a, uh, you know, a, 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 a mummy or whatever. Stick a wig on a mummy. <laughs> Sounds no, like I'm... the beginning of a poem. Stick a wig on a mummy? That's a terrible idea. It's a great way to get a mummy mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's another great title. It's a great way to get a mummy mad? Yeah. Well, number one thing is you got to steal his amulet. <laughs> But round around five or six is putting wigs on them. They don't like that neither. If you get close enough to a mummy to put a wig on him, you damn well better kill him. But now you've got me all sidetracked. <laughs> Once again, I apologize that your wife isn't dead and that I couldn't show you her body. But I'm glad that you came down here anyway, and I think you got a lot out of it. You got a good new book to publish, and you heard these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful songs. And by the way, that song included a touching tribute to you. Did you hear the line, there's a rustle in the blankets? <laughs> I keep I keep telling you. Yeah. My name is spelled R U S S E L. It's not R U S T L E. Oh, well, that's a missed opportunity. You know, I <laughs> That's a shame. But I have uh if you want me to, I can fill out the paperwork to have your name changed to R U S T L E. Dalton, I have changed several people's names. Of of all the things I don't want from you, yeah. number one with a bullet being contact. <laughs> filling out the papers for my legal name change from Russell to another kind of Russell is way down on the list. Fine. It's way down on the list of things you don't want from me. No That's one, what I heard. No one would ever know the difference unless you got pulled over for speeding or were going into a bar. That's exactly right. Thank well, you, thank, thank you for assuming I still get carded. That's very, that's very flattering. Do you get, still get carded? Every time Bartleby? I go in. Gee whiz. That's interesting. Well, <laughs> boys, what a beautiful song that was. What can you tell us about that song? Uh, well, uh... We wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? In in I, a fugue state? I was, uh, well, what happened was I was living on a reservation. Okay, okay. And uh, and this here woman, she was the greatest. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we did a number of illicit drugs and yeah. promiscuous drugs. And, yeah. And then, uh, mm-hmm. and then I woke up and those words were on a piece of paper and I took them to Blades. You're and kidding me. No. So for all you know, someone else wrote it. Well, I mean, it sounds like the kind of night, you know, I had yeah, yeah, yeah. once or twice. Uh-huh. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Well, I love that song so much, and I love the whole album, uh, Mount Us More. And uh, people, can, people can find that on the computer, can't they? They can. They're right next to Russell's fucking wife. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you, know, you know. Hot damn. Come on now. If you can't have a sense of humor about the fact that your wife is missing, I know. possibly did. Get off your you, high horse. Yeah, man. Come on. Shit. Got to be able to laugh. Well. Agree to disagree. All right. Well, uh, okay, I guess we're going to wrap wrap it up here. Does anybody have anything, final thoughts they want to say about Bonanza or Moonanza? <laughs> 
I highly recommend watching Bonanza in order so you can pay attention to the continuity. Yeah, that's true. It's I, don't a very, know, I don't know a lot about Moonanza. <laughs> but would you recommend watching Moonanza in order to? You can jump around. Out of order. Out of order. Yeah, we out did like a fine. memento thing with a lot of flashbacks and such. Okay. And you can, yeah. you don't even have to pay attention to it fully. You can kind of put it on in the background. You get the Yeah, you don't even yeah. need to watch it. Just yeah. know that it's there. Sounds good. Now, the last podcast pilot I did, they did not pick up as a pilot, but the, what they did was they aired the pilot and that just made me mad. That just made me furious to think that you're just going to put on the one that, and then that you put, don't put it on as a failed goddamn oh, thing. I thought you were mad because they what? let people hear it. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled. I mean, people should have heard it, but they should have heard it every week because they should have picked it up to be a regular podcast. That uh-huh. is tantamount to putting on the single pilot of Bonanza and not showing the rest. Can you imagine if they had done that? That's a good point. What if they had only showed people this first episode of Bonanza and left an entire nation to wonder what happened to those four men? Is it going to remain clear that some of these guys are older than others? Right. <laughs> Exactly. And yet they're all siblings. I know one of them could have surpassed the other in age somehow. We wouldn't have known. We never would have known. We never would have known. So uh, this this podcast pilot had damn well better be picked up to be a goddamn regular pilot. It's too important. And if it isn't, then uh, goddamn it, they better not air just the pilot. Don't do that to me again, because I swear to God, I'll do something. If it makes you feel any better, there's no way they're going to air this. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Wait a minute. That's not what I wanted. You got to have a sense of humor. Oh, you son of a bitch. If you weren't publishing my book, I'd kill you. All right. <laughs> he really would. I uh, probably would. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this. And thank you, Russell Shine, for coming down under false pretenses like you did and being a real good sport. Why bother? Thank you so much, Bartleby Mulcahy, for hanging on for these past my three years. Pleasure. I wouldn't have suspected it. And... Uh, <laughs> Thank you, journeymen, for all your journeys and for being men. Any old time. Hell yeah. Glad to do it. Beautiful songs. And uh, all right, folks, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, do check out Bonanza. I think you can find it on the computer. Goodbye. We chased Lady Luck till we finally struck Bonanza. With a gun and a rope and a hat full of hope, we planted our family tree. There you have it. That's a full meal of the podcast, isn't it? I didn't know he could out Dalton Wilcox Dalton Wilcox, but he seems to have done it. I think he did do it. He has become more Dalton Wilcoxy in the intervening years. He's he's achieving like self actualization. What's the term? I mean, like he's ascending to his pr- pr- like primal form. He's going supernova. <laughs> I think that may be the issue. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, look, I mean, uh, I enjoyed that. And again, you know, we'll do everything we can to to help that become a, a regular podcast, if only to save our own skins. Yeah. And, and for my money as mm-hmm. podcast developer, that's my official title here at Earwolf and Midroll. Oh, yeah. That's a green light. Okay. So you've heard all you need to hear. Well, I, I, yes, but I don't make the final decisions. I will now run this up to the channels that need to prove these kind of things. I'll pound my fist on the desk. Yep. And I just hope to God they've learned something since the last time. We're, we're not just trying to entertain. We're also trying to run a business here, and that's just good business sense. You're darn right. Yes, absolutely. Well, I hope I hope it's successful. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else Dalton could have done. He, he threw everything at it. He left it all on the field, as they say. Yeah. 
so anyway, next week when you join us, we will have a brand new podcast pilot to uh, screen for you. We're not screening it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Present. To present, yeah, yeah. Uh, for you. And uh, that one will be uh, a little something called Driving and Fucking with Joe Bongo and Marco Chunk. Yeah. And <laughs> all right there. I mean, I, I could see where some people are going to have an issue with the title alone. Yeah. But, but don't knock it till you've heard it. There you go. Don't judge a book by the word fucking in the title. <laughs> uh, but uh, so look, there's some people to thank right now. Very many special thanks to Sean Conroy and Paul F. Tompkins and Jeremy Carter and Mark McConville and James Bladen and Daniel Michikoff and Tony Thaxton and Dave Wilder, who composed the theme song for this podcast. You can check him out at wilderstylemusic.com. That's going to just about do it for Season 2, Episode 1 of the podcast you're listening to. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.